So let's pray. And you guys pray along with me. Lord, we're inviting you again. After all those songs that we sang and this testimony that we heard about your provision, we're asking you right now to open our hearts, to wash our minds clean of all the stuff that's been distracting us, and that right now we'd hear from you. And that you change our lives and, cha- and you continue to change this community into something great. Thank you for the new people that came tonight. Thank you for the people who are going all kinds of places over spring break. Thank you for the spring break trip that we have to Port Arthur. Would you be glorified in every person's life here? That the name of Jesus would be shined all over, shown all over the place, all over the places that we're going, because we love you. Help us, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we're taking a little bit of a detour tonight. And I'm taking a little bit of a risk by taking the detour because I'll tell you, you guys know what it's like sometimes when you go to class and you haven't prepared for the, you you forgot that you had to give a speech or you forgot that there was a test. You guys know that feeling? Now, I didn't forget that there was something happening tonight. I, I look forward to this every week. But I specifically didn't plan tonight because I want what happens here tonight. I want this to be, kind of be like family night, okay? And when you're hanging out with your family, you don't got to do a lot of preparation. We just, you just talk, right? So we're going to talk a little bit tonight. But this is why we're doing this. We're going, we've been going through the book of Acts. Normally, for those of you guys that are new here, we're, we usually do a Bible study. So we are all about studying the Bible. But the book of Acts has this cycle happening in it. You guys are excellent. There's this cycle happening in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit of God is poured out on this group of 120 people. And when the the Holy Spirit of God is poured out on this group of 120 people, they turn to the world and they are transformed. They do ministry. They heal people. They speak the, the word of God with power. And what happens? There's pushback. There's opposition. So you guys get the cycle? Maybe we need to write it down here. There's, there's power. That's not a very good pen. Okay? I'm going to try again. Power. That leads to ministry. Serving the world. Serving people. That leads to opposition. And when opposition comes, what do the people got to do? They pray. And when the people of God pray, what happens? More power happens. Okay, so we've been seeing this cycle over the past couple thousand years. Right? I mean, this is what's been happening. And the devil is still trying to stamp on the people of God, but there's no way he can because the people of God go back to prayer. And when they pray, power is released. And when power is released, the kingdom expands. So we say to the devil, bring it on because we're not scared of anything. So... We've been seeing this cycle over in the book of Acts over and over and over. There's been power released, ministry happens, the devil tries all kinds of tactics, and the people pray. So we're, t- we're going to apply this a little bit to our own community here, a little bit to your own lives. Have you guys ever felt, have you ever had opposition in your life from the devil? I mean, if you've had any opposition, the root cause of that somewhere way down came from the devil. So opposition now, let me, let, me, let me ask you guys, in, as you think about the hard times that you've been through in your life, you guys have been through all kinds of hard times, man. You lost your job. You got an F in your test. You got, um, you know, whatever. Your car broke down. You had a, you had a truck like Etika's truck. Um, you guys know what it's like, right? You've had a lot of hard times. But my guess, 
My guess is that the, the biggest devastation that the people in this room have felt in their lives have not been from a broken truck or from effing school or from losing, um, losing their job. But my guess is that the biggest struggle that the people in this room have had in their lives has been the result of relationships. And our relationships, if they're not done right, are just painful. Painful, so painful. I mean, the, if we could add up, I don't know how you measure pain. It's like six inches of pain or, I mean, how do you measure that? Five pounds of pain? I don't know. But if we somehow measure the pain that you guys have been through in your life, I would suggest the biggest, the biggest amounts of pain that you've experienced have been through the way that people have hurt you. And when people hurt other people, the way that the devil responds is to get those people to attack each other and to find allies. I'm going to find somebody who's going to join my team against that person because of what that person did to me. And they start writing the emails, and they get on Facebook, or I know you guys do it on Facebook, and they start texting, you know, is this person for me or against me? Because I need, I need all the help I can get to prove that that person really was bad because, and justify myself. You guys know what that's like, right? And the biggest, the biggest divisions that we've ever seen for the community of people in this building have been the result of broken relationships. So, we're not going to be, we're not going to close our eyes to the devil's schemes. I'm fighting for your victory, victory of Jesus in your lives. And, it's, and so what we're doing tonight is we're going to talk about relationships. Because I, however the world's doing relationships out there, we want to do it right in here. We want this community people, the people that are here tonight and the people who aren't here tonight, we want this place to be known as a place where we do relationships well. All kinds of relationships, relationships with brothers and sisters and moms and dads and my relationship with you guys. But I think the, the most, as you guys would all say, the most painful relationships that you've been through have been in those areas of romantic relationships. You guys know what I'm talking about? So we're talking about romantic relationships tonight. So if anybody wants to leave, you guys can get up and go right now. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, oh, not that again. But I used to do a, about a four to five week series on relationships. And um, the first times that I did this place was jam more jam-packed than any other time. And then uh, I think some, I scared some people off. So the last time I did it, which was a couple of years ago, I think people were, were like, man, I'm, I, it's too painful for me to hear about relationships again. So we're just going to do this one night. We're going to kind of have a relationship Q&A time. And this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to give you the number. Oh, I don't have a eraser. Can somebody grab me a... a paper towel or something in there. Um, the way we're going to do this, we're just going to write Matt's number up here. Find the eraser. This is fun. Oh. I was looking for an eraser somewhere up there. I was like, it's up there. Okay. I don't need it because these technology people are ahead of me. Okay. You guys can text this number. And, um, and what I want you guys to do is just ask questions. How to, what if, how do we respond to situations? But, but as you guys are texting this number, asking your questions that we're going to answer tonight, I just want to start by saying, how, it's just kind of a, a brief outline of how we do relationships here at the Cornerstone, okay? Okay, maybe the way to, the place that I should start is to think about how relationships de have developed over the thousands and thousands of years of human history compared to how we do it now. I don't think it worked super well in history, and I definitely know that the way that modern pop culture is doing it doesn't work now. 
And the proof of it is that almost all marriages end in divorce, and most of the marriages that don't end in divorce aren't happy. So most people have this dream in their mind of what a relationship ought to be. And they've seen a lot of Disney movies about it. But almost nobody ever finds it. But we're going to do our best. Guys, I think we got six or seven weddings this year. And, um, already. And I just found out about poten another potential. Well, I better keep my mouth shut. But um, found out about maybe one more that's going to happen. Um, so we got, we got lots of, of relationships developing here. And so far, not one of the, of the weddings that I've done have been, have ended in divorce. And I'm going to keep that track record. I've done weddings right here. I've stood right here and, and married people here. We had, we had somebody singing here one night, and he proposed to his now wife. That was Joey Geisel. Um, he proposed to Emma as he was singing. And um, we also, I was standing up there one day, and one of the guys who was my intern at the time, he, um, he looked at a girl that I was talking to, and he said, I think she could be my wife. I was like, dude, you're not supposed to ask a girl like that. He'd, he'd never even talked to her before. So we had lots of, lots of, they're still married. They got a couple kids. They're doing great. Um, we've had lots of success. Okay. In history, let me just tell you guys how this worked in history. In history, you had something called friendship to some degree. It was a little bit harder to be friends because guys and girls were a little bit more separate. But there was something called friendship. Friendship led to something called courtship. Courtship wasn't the same as dating. Courtship was more of a business process of trying to convince the family that this girl could, could marry the guy. Okay, so you, have, you got this friendship period, you got courtship period, you got engagement period, and then you got marriage that goes for the rest of life. Okay? Now what we've done is that we got friendship, sometimes long period of friendship, sometimes meet the girl, and by the end of the night, you're already a deal. Right? Some of you guys are like, yeah, that happened to me, and I don't want to admit it. So you got this, but you got some, you got this friendship, which often in this culture is very short. And sometimes it's not, it's not real friendship. And then that moves into something that has been, that is new, really, as you look at the history of the world. It's called dating, capital D. Not going on a date, but dating. And what dating is, is, well, can somebody please explain to, some, to everybody else what dating is? Kind of like courting. Eating dates. Eating dates. It's not eating dates. Now, that is romantic, but that's not what it is. A higher level of hanging out. That's, per, that's, that's a great... It's like hanging out with somebody, but this is not like Okay, Nick disagrees. Okay, here's the deal. You guys are like, I don't know. What, everybody knows what dating is, but we don't know how to describe it. Okay, so you feel like, obviously there's all different levels of dating, but, but here, here's what I think dating has become. I think what our, what our society likes dating for, the reason that we, not, not going on dates. Going on a date is a different thing. Taking a girl on a date. Well, but dating has become this thing where I belong to you, you belong to me, we are an item, but there's really no commitment. I would even argue that one of the main differences is that the boundaries between like talking and dating have been blurred. Like there's no, there, there, a lot of the times, at least, at least in personal experience, 
you just kind of like you start like I don't know going to Cracker Row with somebody every other week and <laughs> okay that's a really weird restaurant bed <laughs> Cracker Row's like anybody want to go to Cracker Barrel with Dylan <laughs> raise your hand girls <laughs> yeah anyways and then one day you're like are we dating and the other person's like I guess and then. <laughs> And then it yeah, I mean, it's like it, it, there is a blur. It's like you know, are are we are we official? Like, let's you guys know what DTR is, right? Yes. Okay, DTR. Let's. I mean, hopefully at some point they're like, okay, let's decide what this is. What this is, and they're like, we're a couple. We da we're dating. <sighs> Romance. Um, <laughs> what is? It? I mean, and, and any time that you don't like it, you can say, you know what, that not working. You can walk away. So there's no real commitment, right? There's a facade, there's a pretend commitment, but really there's nothing really binding there. Now there's a commitment to have a commitment in, you know, in engagement, which is a commitment to finally be married, but those, that final marriage commitment in the world doesn't really work. So what's, what's the commitment? Now, here's what I think we, I want to see here at the Cornerstone. This is what has worked. And so those of you that are like, man, it's worked for everybody else, so let me in on how, how to make this happen. Most of the time, out in the world, in all the, in all the communities like this, whether it's at the gym or at the bar or in the classroom or at the school, what, what guys and girls are typically doing is they've seen a lot of Disney movies and they've got an idea in their mind that Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright is out there somewhere and I'm looking for her. And I'm going to go into this community like the Cornerstone and I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to hang out for a while and then I'm going to be like, I think it's her. And of course, the girls are doing, you know, she's over here doing the same thing. I think it's him. And so, you know, they kind of give each other the, the, the wink or whatever it is. And um, I know you guys are more sophisticated than that. But at some point, they're like, okay, we belong to each other. Now, if you guys know what it's like in the world, if you know what it's like out there, if you remember the experiences you've had, you, you tried it, and one of two things happened. Either it ended, and 95, 98% of the time, that ending was very, very painful. Or you married the person. So when the DTR happens, what you're saying is, okay, I'm willing to risk our friendship betting that we're going to end up together. And I want to suggest to you that I want, that you need to be super sure that it's worth ruining the, the friendship over th that possible marriage. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And so many times, people are, are quick to risk it. It's like, oh, she likes the same kind of ice cream I do. And I know it was meant to be. You guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I know, you know, we had the, our birthdays, our, my birthday was May 15, and her, her, hers was May 16. Right together. It must be God's, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I want to say, guys, hold off on, make, on stepping into what is, in your mind, something official and risking this, this friendship for the hope that maybe you're going to marry her. Okay, instead. So what happens? What happens out there in the world is you try this girl, don't work. Try, try this girl, don't work. Then you're like, man, I'm never going to love again. I'll never give in to that. But then you do. And then you got another girlfriend. 
and you're like, this one's, this one, I'm going to keep this one, this one's, and you won't break up because you're like, it's, it's, I've already been hurt too many times, so you hang on, hang on, hang up until it's so painful and she breaks up with you. And then you go to the next one. And like, well, first you're like, I'm never doing that again. You guys know the cycle. And it goes on and on. And we see it happen in the world all the time. In fact, soap operas make money off of selling this kind of stuff. Movies, I mean, this, movies are filled with this. Now, the girl, so the guy's doing that, going down the, the row, trying one girl after another. The, the girl's going down the road, trying one guy after another. And broken heart after broken heart happens. So here's what I want to ask you guys to do. That's different from the way the world does it. What I want to ask you guys to do is to understand that great relationships, great marriages are built in community. That means don't start dating, capital D. Don't start that dating relationship yet. You come in to a community like this, and you, you go, if you want to take a girl on a date, take her on a date. Take her to Cracker Barrel, man. <laughs> Have you ever taken a girl to Cracker Barrel? Okay, if any, again, if anybody wants to take Dylan to Cracker Barrel, he, he'd like you to take him there. Okay. Take the girls to Cracker Barrel. Chris, take the girls to Cracker Barrel. To make these girls your friends. And don't, don't try to make one girl your life love yet. Not yet. My, my suggestion, my invitation, and don't quote me wrong, because I heard some, some people talk about, well, Steve says you should date a bunch of people at once. That's not what I said. Okay. What I'm saying is you, you put yourself in the middle of community where Michelle's your friend and Liz is your friend and Amanda's your friend and Noe's your friend, and you be a friend to them. Be a friend. And if, if, if the girls are doing that too, if Noe, you're being a friend to Addison and Dylan, even if he doesn't take you to Cracker Barrel and Kevin, and, you know what? It's not going to take six years to figure out which of these girls or which of these guys is the match, okay? What you're doing is, yeah, and of course, you guys got to hear me out. And don't record this and play it and tell other people that I, that I said wrong. So don't take me out of context. But there is a, there's a sense of shopping that is good, of saying, okay, I know that, I'm, that, I've, that God's called me to move to Madagascar. And so what I'm, what I'm looking for a girl who's willing to move Madagascar with me, Right? I mean, so what you're doing is you're, you're, you're asking around. You're thinking, wow, well, Etika's really sweet, but I know that she's called to Zimbabwe or wherever it is, Kuwait. Did you say Kuwait? Wherever it is. And, and so it's not going to work. And um, now, of course, you can change your mind. I'm just saying that, that don't waste your time developing a romance with somebody who you know doesn't match your criteria. And that's not that that person is bad. I mean, when Joe and Kiana, my daughter Kiana, who's 21 years old now, is she 21? 22. 22. She's thank you. She's 22. <laughs> She's probably listening to this. Hi, Kiana. Um, um, her and Joe live in Japan. Japan. Or Joe was my uh, was my intern for a couple of years here. Well, my main, the main intern here at the Cornerstone for a couple of years. And when they when they she, they were like brothers. They were like friends. Um, brother and sister, they were like friends. He'd been in Japan with us several times. And I, when he started working for me here, I said, Ruth, I said to my wife, I said, I think maybe Joe's going to be our son-in-law. And she said, don't say anything. You might mess it up. <laughs> so what always, what always seems to work here is whatever students I take to Israel with me fall in love and get married. So I took them to Israel, and they fell in love. And uh, on our ski trip, our spring break trip, a couple, it wasn't a ski trip, our, our missions trip that we did go skiing one day on uh, in, in Arizona, um, 
Jill and Kiana finally confessed to each other that they loved each other after about five years of being just like brother and sister. They had a great relationship. Joe had a great relationship with our family. And then I said, okay. And Joe came and talked to me. He's like, Steve, I got to talk to you. Can we talk? I'm like, you talk to me every day. So what is, what's going on? So he, he tells me, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like to pursue Kiana. I said, great. When we get back to Texas, you guys have a business meeting. And so they had a business meeting. So I texted him during the business meeting. How's the business meeting? Because what I wanted them to do was before they got their of course, they were already feeling romantic. But before they got too far into that romance, to be able to use their brains, because Kiana's got things that she, was, she knew that God was calling her to do. Joe's got things that he knows that God's calling him to do. And if they don't match, then they need to shake hands and say, we're still friends before we get into this thing and, and make, make each, own each other. So what I want to say to you guys is do not own each other because you don't own each other until I say... Like I'm saying for Miles and Jessica on Saturday, I say, from this moment on, you are husband and wife in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At that moment, they're married. Prior to that, they can say, you know what? I didn't mean it. Here's your ring back. Okay, now that's painful, but it's not as painful as if it, as if it happens later. So, so part of what we're doing here is trying to figure out who's right. Okay. I think, I think the introduction was a little bit longer than I should. We got 20 minutes left here. Sorry, guys. Okay. Is that helpful? Let me just ask you guys. Is that helpful? Okay. So did you guys text some questions here? We're going we're gonna to blow up his phone. There you go. Um, so I think just starting off, um, to go with that, how do you know um, that someone is equally yoked or spiritually mature as you? When you're trying to decide. Take him to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> well, okay. So, so is it possible? So you guys understand the question. How do you know if this person's really, really going to be able to do, to, to live up to the standard of God's calling in your life? That he, he's call, he, he, You know that God's calling you. And this guy can look pretty good. Well, part of it, once again, community matters. You read the, the, the Song of Solomon? You know, you notice you got the, the, lo the lover, you got the beloved, and then you got these friends that keep popping in the picture. If you guys have read it, the friends matter. The friends' voices matter. So you got community around you saying, you know what? I mean, actually, can I, can I talk about, you had a meeting, you had a business meeting here a while back with a guy, right? Okay. She had a, a two-hour business meeting with a guy, um, and it was a business meeting. I mean, it was a bit, and, and what I appreciated about Etika is that she was like, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let my heart get into this until I know, until I know if we're equally yoked. God said so much in her life. She'd met this guy before. He drove up from another city. They sat over here, talked. They had fun. But by the time that, that was over, she knew that they weren't equally yoked. She knew that she was call, called to something higher than what he was being called to. Okay? So, so, so but part, the reason I know that, sorry, I should have checked. I didn't know what the question was going to be. Um, <laughs> part of the reason I know that is because she was checking with me. So, so how do you know? You, get, you have people around you that you trust who can say, you know what, Noe? He's cute, but I don't think he's for you. <laughs> you need people in, in your life like that. If there's, if there's not people in your life that can tell you no way, you, you got a problem. And, and so when you say no, another question that came in that goes with that, when you say no um, to that person that's pursuing you, 
how do you treat them after that if they continue to pursue you or tell everyone else, hey, I'm trying to pursue this person. They said no, but they might not know what they want. So, hey, I need. Okay, yeah, the question is if, if Kevin likes you and you find that out and you're saying, you know what, buddy, you're my, you're my brother, but it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, Kevin. Anybody knows Kevin is going to say, I'd love it happen. Um, but I'm just using an example. If, if, if that happens, Guys, he's your brother. Yeah. You treat him like a brother. In fact, last time, a year or two when we, ago when we did this, when we, we were doing the relationship series, we had Joe, who's my son-in-law, stand up here and tell his side of the story. Him and, him and Kiana were already planning to get married. And Mary and Aaron were already planning to get married. But what most people didn't know is that Joe, that Mary had come to the cornerstone through Joe's relationship with her. They'd been dating in high school. And they broke up. And they, they handled that so well. That's what we're doing here. If, if, you're, if you start to move towards a relationship with somebody, and they say, you know what? You're, you're my brother. You're my sister. And I'm going to treat you like a sister. So many guys, this is what drives, guys, listen to me. What drives the girls crazy is when you approach them like, hey, could we be an item? And they're like, you're my brother. I don't think I was thinking that way. And then the guy never talks to him again. Yeah. Yeah. You hear the girl say, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. All the guys, think about all the couples we've had here where the guys, where the girls said that. We've had girl after girl. In fact, the girls almost always say no. It's, there's a subconscious psychological reason they say no. You know what they, you know why they say no? Because what they want to know is, are you going to love me for me or are you just going to love me if I, if I can be yours? And the guy, and Joey and Emma, Aubrey and Andrew, where's Sam? Sam and Josh, they're getting married in May. I mean, she was like, she was like, ah, eh, thanks, but no thanks. He's like, okay, I'll wait for you. Okay, um, and we've, uh, who else? I mean, we had most, you know, Joe and Ken were different because they they were f friends. He was like part of the family. But so many of these relationships developed after the girls was like, no. I never thought about you that way. Well, of course not. The guys aren't cute like the girls are. <laughs> I was so many times the girls like, no. And what I want to say to you guys is don't stop treating them like your, your precious sister. Yeah. Treat them like your precious sister, regardless of whether you ever get them as your wife or not. And that'll prove that's the kind of girl that I want. That's the kind of guy that I want these girls to marry. And you, you answered many questions in there. So the people that weren't listening based on their question they asked, it was answered. Here's one that was answered is, um, how does a guy have friends that are girls without sending the wrong messages? You continue to treat them like your sister. Continue. Be consistent with that, right? Um, so another question that was really good is, um, what does emotional boundaries look like? Um, and then the rest of that is the difference between your significant others, so you're already in a relationship, um, and with your, with your friends, with your guy friends. Um, what do emotional boundaries look like? And this is from a girl. Okay. Um, I don't have their number, okay. but this is from a girl. Okay. And the second part of the... And the second part of it is the difference between your significant other and your guy friends, so okay. emotional Okay. Boundaries. In other words, we got these relationships. Um, everybody likes Addison, and he's like, okay, you know, how to, how, you know at what point... Is, is this like she's liking liking me or is this just like she's 
makes me coffee, right? Is this kind of what you're asking? So, um, guys, you, you got to guard your heart. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. You're going to have to guard your heart for the rest of your life, even after you get married. There's going to be people, there's gonna, for you guys, there's going to be gr- women in your lives who are just so sweet to you. And you got to just, you, you got to remind yourself continually, they are my sister, and I will not, I will not let anything happen. Guard yourself. And of course, the girls are longing for somebody to pursue them. And so some guys, he starts, you know, hey, you need a ride to Grace on Sunday morning? And they're like, he loves me. I just want to say, don't, don't get, guys got to control your emotions. Let me, let me just say, this is what maturity is. When you guys were two years old, could, did you control how you acted? No, but by the time you were about five or six, you were starting to learn how to control how, how, you, how you act. Maybe, well, maybe nine or ten. And then when you were about, could, did you control what you said? No, you didn't really learn to control what you said until you were a little bit older. How about how you feel? When, at what age did you learn how to control how you feel? Well, at what age did you learn how to control what you thought about? Yeah. Now, most of you, most of you at the age you're at right now, I guess, listen to me. At the age you're at right now, you're, you're, you've learned kind of to control what you're thinking about. But I want to say, you haven't learned how to control your feelings very well. That's just true. I mean, to, being, being 20 years old, a 20-something-year-old who can control their feelings is very mature. It's very hard. This is the highest level of maturity. We control how we, how we act. We control what we say. We control what we think about. But at some point when we're getting older, we finally learn how to control how we feel. I hope. But there's plenty of my people, people, there's plenty of people my age who haven't learned how to control how they feel. It's like, oh, she smiled at me. I guess I'm getting divorced. I mean, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? I'm saying, you, this is where you are in your maturing process right now. You're learning how to say, this is right. I feel drawn towards this thing, but I will not let my life be dictated by what I feel. I will do what I know to be true. So this is your maturity, and right now you guys aren't good at it. So some guy says, hey, come, you know, let's go to Cracker Barrel, and you're ready to marry him that night. Control how you feel. Guard your heart. Um, so a lot of questions, statements came in just with that question, so I'm just going to read a couple through, and then we'll ask a question. Um, is concerning that question about emotional boundaries with your significant other or and the difference between your friends, right, is um, you speak up when someone's crossing a boundary. Okay, it's very important that came in um, as you speak up. Um, And then another question, and I was talking to somebody else today about it actually, is how do you know um, how to set up that emotional relationship with your brother or sister if you never had a brother or sister growing up? Um, That just came in, and then we were talking about that. Let's let's talk about about crossing boundaries first. Okay, set boundaries. Do not be out with a girl or with a guy in the backseat of a car at night. I mean, what, what? it, it doesn't. You're you're not going to be able to control your feelings. They're not. Yeah. Be, you can't say, well, I'm, you know, I'm super spiritual. I'm super close to Jesus, so I know I can handle it. You can't handle it. Don't do it. There's certain things that. that and also, girls, let me just tell you, girls, you don't understand the way these, that the, these guys think. These precious brothers of yours, who are men of God, have something that is different in their minds. And I know because I was like, I'm a guy, right? And and it's part of. There's this sanctification process that happens. But at this age, they're going crazy with, with physical sexual desire. And, I, and when you girls hug, do not rub your chest on the guy's chest. 
Oh, my brother, the guy's going crazy. He acts like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, our, our way of hugging the girls, guys, is give them a warm side hug, but do not put their chest up against yours. And you girls are like, well, what's wrong with that? I know you don't mean anything. Don't do it. Because the guy's going, he, he, I know they act well, but they, it, it, that, is, that turns them on. Okay? Don't do it. I'm asking you. We're, trying, we're, we're building a community of holiness here. Okay. What was that part of that question? Um, yes, and so that's really good. Um, something else that came in that's important to add to that um, also is when those emotional boundaries are set, right, something that's important and you can interpret it or, or we can have clarification is you're not opening up all of yourself with one person. You do that to God. Um, you're, you're not opening up your whole heart to someone. You're not committed to in marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And that goes with the amount of time you spend with that person. Questions have come in. How much time, what's a healthy amount of time to spend with a either significant other or someone you're trying to call your friend of the opposite sex, right? Um, and then to kind of move forward and then we'll have someone chime in, but how can you be um, a, objective in your relationships? Um, how can you zone in? How can you, I guess, be fruitful in your relationships? Um, and then we, do you want that person to chime in? Well, let, me, let me say this, guys. If, you're, if your focus in life is something other than Jesus, none of this is going to work. It don't work. You, you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and things work. And you seek, if you're, if, as you come in here and you're thinking, well, I'm looking for a spouse. If that's, if you're, if you're, Search for a spouse, or, or maybe you're not even thinking about a spouse. I just need a, I just need a, a girl tonight. Whatever it is you're seeking, if, if, the, if the seeking of that other person is greater than your seeking of God, you, you may as well just not listen to anything I'm saying. It doesn't work. Okay. You got to seek, you got to seek him. Okay, you hear that? So invite up to church. Yeah. I mean, can I, can, I, can I talk about you, Will, without embarrassing you? Okay, Will came to the Cornerstone because, um, Will came to the Cornerstone because he, he met Anna, and he kind of, did you ask, did you kind of invite her, like, hey, could we go grab a Coke together or something? Something like that. And she's like, no, but I got a better place. Let's go to the Cornerstone. Okay? So, she, so. I'm not saying go out there and, and flirt with the girls to, to get to, to, as, as a way to evangelize. I know you weren't doing that. But sorry, Amanda. Will and Amanda are getting married on, on August 10th, so sorry to embarrass you. But thanks to Anna, right? Thanks to Anna. If girls, if some guy invites you out, bring him to church. Bring him to the cornerstone. Give him a Bible. Introduce him to Matt. Moving forward, um, but to be to be objective, right, in a relationship, we're just going to have like 30 seconds from one of our leaders um, kind of share on that topic. Uh, so I think something that's uh, super, super, super key and uh, being objective with a relationship is just, guys, hold back on those physical boundaries as much as possible, okay? If you wouldn't do it with with like any other guy, don't do it with him. I mean... <laughs> 
And I'm speaking from a place of me and my fiance Annika. Our first kiss is going to be at the pulpit yeah. when we after we say I do. So I, I mean, it's not impossible. It's hard, and that's not the expectation for everyone. But guys, look, the the more you hold back on those physical boundaries, it's gonna be easier if it if it does not work out, and and it can clear your mind and not and keep it from being clouded uh, from 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 things. And so uh, it just clears the mind and helps you be more objective. So. Guys, Annika's body belongs to Jesus. And Nick has no right to take from Jesus what doesn't yet belong to Nick. And you're like, but I don't like that. I want to, you know, I want to be kissed. Mike. Whatever it is, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not setting the boundaries for you. What I am saying is that you better not steal from Jesus what does, is not yours. And Jesus is going to give Annika to Nick on September 14. Pretty exciting. So two questions, and you can answer them um, in whatever order. Um, the first one is, how do you make God the center of your relationship? So practical ways in that. And then um, the other one is, if God has... If God has told me an individual that will be my husband, should I tell him? <laughs> okay. Okay. That was two questions. But the first question is, how do I make God the center of my relationship? The way that you make God the center of your relationship is that for those of you that are in a relationship, you make him the center of your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. If he's the center of your, your life and she, he's the center of her life, guess what? He's the center of your relationship. Yeah. And you know, that, you know that he's not the center of one of your lives if you can tell that he's not the center. If, if, he's, yeah. if, he, if you can tell he's not the center of your relationship, there's a problem in one of your hearts or both of your hearts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Second question was, if you know that Shawn Michael is going to be your husband because God told you. That, that is who they were talking about, right? Yeah. That was, the same, that was the same text for five girls, Sean. Sorry. No, just kidding. Okay, if you know that Sean, if, if, if God has told you that Sean Michael's going to be your husband, should you tell him? Guys, here's the deal. I, I, people come in my office all the time and tell me. There have been people coming in my office and going, she's the one. God told me. And you know what I do? I say, okay. <laughs> if that really came from God, then you don't need to tell me. It's good. Then, you, you, wow. then he's going to tell you what's next. That's good. Am I skeptical? Yeah. I'm skeptical. Yeah. Is it possible that God could tell his people what, who, who they're going to marry in the future? Yeah, sure. No problem. No problem. But I've, I've heard it wrong so many times. We're like, I know it's her. I know it's him. And four months later, God didn't change his mind. But it's not her anymore. So somebody heard wrong. So guys, you, we, you know, when we, when we hear from God, there's times where God has spoken to me. I know what he's saying exactly. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes, if you, you know, you know that, and you tell somebody, they don't know that for sure. So you test, you test it. And, you, and also you have the confidence. Okay, if God told me that, it's going to happen. Does that not mean that you, you shouldn't move, move forward? Go ahead and move forward. But if you tell the guy, hey, God told me you're going to be my husband, and he's like, Get out of here, girl. I mean, you just messed up, you potentially messed up a relationship. So 
talk, if, before you tell him, I think you got to tell the people in your life who are close to you, that's the good. people that can tell you, that's no, that's not it. Because usually the, the hardest breakups that we've seen here at the Cornerstone are those people who have said, I know that it's her because God told me. And then, they're, then they won't break up because they're like, well, I, that would, I'd, I'd have to backtrack and tell people I heard from God wrong, so I'm not going to break up. And they keep going and keep going until it's bad. Yeah. We don't want that. Um, and, and just to keep going in this direction then is if you get, um, there's a couple of things in this or thought processes, right, questions of, if you get the choice, how do you choose God's best? Or is there just one person for you? Or are you supposed to be single for the rest of your life? How does that work? Whichever one you feel like you want to hit first. Okay. You're asking multiple questions at yeah. one time. Okay, so I'll and I think we one. got time Sorry. for one, one more question. Uh, which one out of those? Singleness. <laughs> I think he's the one. Okay. okay. So then is there, is there one person for you? Um, okay. And okay. then singleness. That's two questions. Okay, <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm glad to answer both of these questions. But I, I've got 30 seconds left here. So if you don't mind me going a little bit past yeah, 9 o'clock. of course. Okay, Amelia wasn't sure. We'll let Amelia vote. Okay. Okay, guys. Um, if, if you guys have to leave, you can leave. Um, 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 is a great chapter, but it can be taken, it can misunderstand so easily. So 1 Corinthians 7, in regards, we're going to answer two questions. There's a lot of questions answered in 1 Corinthians 7, but the two questions that people just asked, we're going to answer first in the first part of the chapter and in the last part of the chapter. So the first part, the first question in regards to, um, what about singleness? Okay, we're going to answer this. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1, now for the matters you wrote about. This is a verse that if you guys don't understand what it's saying, you take it out of context, single people hate this verse. Because it says it's good for a man not to marry. You guys see that? Okay. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Okay. Now what's now just stop. Don't look at your Bible anymore. Don't look at this up here. What was the part of that and and what I just read that stood out to you? It's good for a man not to marry. Max is going, oh, I don't want the Bible to say that. But don't take it out of context. You don't want the Bible to say that. Okay, you don't take it out of context because you guys understand. There's some hints here that I want to give you. This is how, partly what I want to teach you guys right now is how to study the Bible. That you don't take one verse and misunderstand what it says. And there's a clue here in the very first phrase of, of verse 1. What is, what is the clue? Now for the matters you wrote about. So based on that phrase, what do we know his, his statement? It's good, for not man, it's good for a man not to marry. Based on the, on the phrase before that, what do we know? So there's, he's answering a question. So based on that, you know what the question is that, those, that the people in Corinth were asking Paul. Based on the answer to the question, what is the question? Do I have to get married? Now, for us in our American mindset, we're thinking, what kind of a question is that? But in the, remember, remember Christianity came out of Judaism. And in the Ju- Ju- Jewish mindset, in fact, when I've, when I've gone through this before, I've read the writings of some of the rabbis. Where, the, where one of the rabbis says, if, if, if a man approaches me and he's over 20 years old and not married, I will say, get out of my life, because you're a... You're a pervert, basically. 
because you need a wife. What, what the rabbi was saying was if a guy is an adult and he doesn't have a wife, it means he's, he's struggling with, tempt, with sexual temptation. So therefore, the Jewish mindset was you have to get married. And now these people in Corinth become Christians, and they're, they're just reveling in their f- newfound freedom, understanding that they don't have to obey a bunch of laws in order to become right with God. But they got one question. They're like, well, what if? So does, does, a, does a person who wants to please God, does he have to get married? And Paul is writing saying, no. You don't, Kevin, you don't have to be married if you don't want to be. <laughs> that wasn't a very loud yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> okay, he's saying, if a guy does not want to get married, that's fine. But what's the next phrase? See if you guys remember what it was. But because there's so much sexual immorality, and there's more now than there was then, and it's so available, and you've got it available on your phones and in your computers and every, everywhere else you go, because there is so much sexual immorality there out there, then what does it say? What's that? Each man should have a wife. You hear what the Bible's saying? How many of you are men? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, <laughs> you, okay. If you were a man, what does the Bible say you should have? A wife. Okay, you're like, well, am I really a man? I'm only 19 and a half. You are a man. My, my, son, my son Kyle is 16 years old, almost 17. And I've told him, you can married as soon as you're ready, buddy. He's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. He can't stand to think about it. Of course, Ian's glad to talk about it. He's got it, you know, he's got his plans of who he wants to marry. <laughs> and he's only 10. But I mean it. I mean, to, to, tell, to tell young men that they're that you can't get married until you until you graduate from college and get your job and have a car and a house. How old are you when you get that? I want to say to you, man. Go do what it takes, and you can be married as soon as you're ready. Christian took me up on that and got married last summer. And you were, how, how, how old were you when you got married? Yeah, okay. So he just turned 19 when he got married. And guess I'm not, I'm, don't tell your parents that I'm trying to get you all married off. You know what the Bible says? This is what 1 Corinthians says. If, if, if you can handle it, if you can handle it, don't get married. But what you can't do is say, well, I'm not mature enough, so I'm just going to use pornography until that time. Because I, pr- I promise you, if you're using pornography, you're destroying your relationship with your future wife, and you're destroying your, your kids' relationship with their future spouses. Don't do it. Don't do it. In the name of Jesus, I don't even get close to it, ever. And some of you are like, that's impossible. No, I, I want to tell you, it's possible. I've never used pornography once. I've never masturbated once. Now, I've done a lot of other rotten things. Okay, but I'm and I'm not bragging. I'm saying, by the grace of God, there is freedom from sexual sin, and I'm asking you guys to walk in it because it's available. It's available. You guys, you guys can't do it on your own. Your eyes on Jesus. Just what, just what the first Etiquette talked about in John 15. Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's no way you can do what God's calling you to do. 
You don't, it's not that you muscle your way through obeying God. You can't do what he's calling you to do apart from his spirit. But he offers you his spirit. And with his spirit in your life, you can say no to all sin. Filling up your life with him. And there's freedom. Okay. I'm six minutes over. You guys want to give me, you want me to answer the other question about? Okay. Okay. If anybody thinks no, you can text Matt. You can count how many no's you get. Okay. Okay. The other question is, is, is there Mr. Right out there? Does God have Mr. Right or Mrs. Right picked out for me, and I just need to go find him? Or do I have a choice? You guys hear the question? Is that, was that the question? And the, the answer to that um, is found in the same chapter, chapter 7, verse 36. Chapter 7, verse 36 and um, understand, this is, this is written to a culture, culture of people where they were betrothed to the girl a long, long time before they were even at marrying age. So it'd be kind of like, who wants to be picked on here? Okay, kind of like Zach. Okay, we won't pick on anybody. Sorry. Okay, Zach's, Zach's betrothed. Let's, we'll pick on Zach's, but we won't pick on any girls. Zach's betrothed to Betty Sue. And... Um, and if, so this is what, here's the answer. He's answered questions that these people are asking. Verse 36, if, if Zach thinks he is acting improperly towards Betty Sue, and if she's getting along in years and feels he ought to marry, it's like, wow, she's, she's 19 now, and Zach's 22. And he feels like he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. Guess what? If Zach wants to marry Betty Sue, you get to marry her. Go for it. Now, there's some other criteria that you better, you know, better, better make sure that she's, She's not married to somebody else or that she wants to marry you. That's right. But he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. You hear what, you hear what, the, what Paul is saying? Go for it. You want to marry the girl? Go for it. Here, I got great news for you guys. You get to marry the person you want. When, you, when we do your wedding, whether it's me or somebody else, you're not going to be, Zach's not going to be going, looking at Betty Sue going, Man, I wish it was Sally. I know he hasn't. I mean, he's not gonna, he's not be doing that. He, you, you people in this room are going to be standing there looking at that person and going, I'm so glad it's you. That's good news. That's great news. And so all, the, all, all of you that are like, man, I wish that that person would love me. I like them so much I can't even sleep at night. Guess what? You don't have to worry about it because you get to marry the person you want. Great, great, great. Okay, so let me. Okay, sorry guys. Okay, so I'm going to answer that in just a second. But let me, let's finish this section here. They should get married. So they should get married. But the man, but the man, or if if Zach, look at verse 37, First Corinthians 7, verse 37. But the man, or Zach, who has settled the matter in his own mind, is in no, under no compulsion. In other words, he's Zach's feeling like I don't really care to marry her. He's not. He, he's not. Desperately marry this girl. He's under no compulsion, but has has control over his own will, and either he's able to contain, contain his sexual desire, and and if he's made up his mind not to marry the girl, this man also does the right thing. Other words, Zach does great if he marries her. He does great if he doesn't marry her. So then, look at verse thirty-eight. So then, he who marries the girl does does right, and he who does not marry her does even better. Um, the point is. Zach, 
Zach's marrying Betty Sue or Sally is determined by Zach. Well, and the girl, of course. But, but for, for those of you that have watched so many Disney movies that think that Disney theology comes from the Bible, it doesn't. Disney theology is Disney theology, that there's somebody out there, and I'm going to be walking in slow motion through the park, and the music's going to play, and our eyes are going to meet. Wow. Don't, we want, don't we want that? I mean, that's what we would dream of that. And so many times it's like, it's like your buddy who, who's been working in the coffee shop with you. And it's like, oh, yeah. We actually like each other. And there's no music playing and no slow motion. Okay. So then, then Brittany's question is really important. So what about God guiding you to that person? I'm praying all the time. Some of you guys have been, been with me and I've been praying for you. And just, I'll pr- I've prayed for your spouses. You know, praying. Been, I don't know who I've done that for, but, you know, been with Mike and like, God, would you bless Mike and help him get the money for Japan? And also, Lord, wherever his wife is today, would you just bless her? And wherever she is, would you bring her along? Does God know who Mike's going to marry? Does Mike have a choice in who he marries? Does, does God, so do you guys understand the difference between God picking out somebody and saying, Mike needs to marry Betty Sue? And I knew it. Okay. In this sense of destiny and that, that he has to marry this person that's picked up by God, do you understand the difference between that and God knowing the future of what's going to happen? Okay, people get really confused about this. God knows who you're going to marry. God knows who you're going to marry because that's who you marry. But if that's not who you're married, then God knows who the other person is you're going to marry. God knows the future like the end because God's outside of time. And he sees the whole thing from the beginning to the end all at once. So for him, when, he, when we hear about God before, doing stuff before, knowing stuff before, or do afterwards, that's all in our terms of time. God doesn't see time the way we do. And it whacks us out because we try to figure it out. Yes, but I'm way over time. So you got 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. Ow. (laughs) Sorry, I'm really excited. Okay, so why did God create us? God created us to have a relationship with him, but he gave us free choice because he wanted us to choose to love him. So why wouldn't he give us the same choice when choosing the person we want to love for the rest of our lives? Exactly it. Okay, Bethany's going to start preaching on Sunday nights here. Okay, guys, we're out of time. Is that helpful? Okay. You guys are amazing. Okay, if, if you guys got more questions about this, you can let us know. And, you know, I think we just need to do this question and answer relationship thing from time to time. Next week, no merge because we're in Port Arthur. The week after, let's pack this place out with your friends. And we're going to um, continue studying the Word of God, and it's going to change our lives, and, it's, and God is going to use our changed lives to change the world, okay? So let's stand up, and we're going to pray. And as we finish praying, I just want to remind you guys, if, hold on, guys, if you have special, if you need special prayer, we're going to have a prayer team upstairs in the prayer room. If you guys need prayer, as soon as, as, soon as I say amen, you guys can go up there. And the other thing that I'll remind you of before we pray is that tomorrow we got lunch as usual. As usual. Is that right, Sam? Okay.
So 1230 here tomorrow lunch, unless you want to come early and help her get things set up. Let's pray. Jesus, we're just asking that you'll guide every person in this room and that every person in this room whose eyes are on you will follow you and never go through, have to go through the relationship muck that is so painful that so much of the world is going through. And Lord, we're just asking you, you that you will guide us. Just like Brittany said, would you guide every person here into truth and righteousness and that the people who are in this room would meet spouses who are totally devoted to you and that, that, that they would know that your stamp of approval is on the two of them because they love you. And so, Lord, would you just guide us, and would there be more great relationships that come out of this community that would change the world? Would you protect us from all of Satan's schemes to divide your people because of broken relationships? So we just pray blessing over my friends here, over spring break, just a group that's going to Port Arthur and the people that are going everywhere else. Help us, oh God, in Jesus' name, amen.